Hello, everybody. Happy Friday. So today I'm going to actually jump right in and start reading Genesis one. I'm sorry, Genesis six verses one through eight today, because I have a feeling I'm going to go over the time limit because I have to argue some of my points. So this uh, particular episode is going to be much more, I suppose, theological. I guess because I have to jump around in scripture and really argue what I'm trying to get across about this. Particular portion of scripture, so I'm going to be reading out of the AMP version of the Bible today, just to give us a little bit more insight as to what is happening here in Genesis chapter six. So let's go ahead and start reading in Genesis six, verse one. Now it happened when men began to multiply on the face of the land, and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful and desirable, and they took wives for themselves, whomever they chose and desired. Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive and remain with man forever, because he is indeed flesh, sinful and corrupt, given over to sensual appetites. Nevertheless, his days shall yet be a hundred and twenty years. There were Nephilim, Men of stature, notorious men, on the earth in those days, and also afterward, when the Son of God lived with the daughters of men, and they gave birth to their children. These were the mighty men who were of old, men of renown and great reputation and fame. The Lord saw that the wickedness and depravity of man was great on the earth, and that every imagination or intent of the thoughts of his heart were only evil continually. The Lord regretted that he had made mankind on the earth, and he was deeply grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy and annihilate mankind whom I have created from the surface of the earth, not only man, but the animals and the crawling things and the birds of the air, because it deeply grieves me to see mankind sin, and I regret that I have made them. But Noah found favor and grace in the eyes of the Lord. So what the heck is happening here? (laughs) Well, in verse 1, it says that men were multiplying on the surface of the earth and that they produced these beautiful women who were their daughters. And the sons of God saw that these daughters of men were beautiful and desirable and they took wives. So who are the sons of God? Well, there are two different opinions here that many people believe. And I would say that the majority believes the first opinion, which is the fact that the sons of God, they, they feel, are uh, the line of Seth. Because we talked about the two different bloodlines in previous episodes. They were the line of Seth who had followed God's commands. And then the sons of men were the line of Cain who had fallen by the wayside and, you know, did not follow God. So that is what I'd say the majority of scholars and people believe. But I personally do not believe that. And I'm going to argue why I don't believe that. So um, I personally think that the sons of God are talking about the fallen angels. And why do I think that it's fallen angels? Sons of God is mentioned in other portions of scripture as being angels. For example, Job 1 verse 6, Job 2 verse 1, and Job 38 verse 7. So I'm actually going to read one of those and show you what I'm talking about here. And I'm going to read Job 1 verse 6. 
Now there was a day when the sons of God, angels, came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan, the adversary and accuser, also came among them. So this is implying that sons of God do indeed mean angels. And in Genesis chapter 6, I believe that these sons of God are also considered the angels, the fallen angels. And why do I think they're fallen? Well, first and foremost, they are lusting after these beautiful women, which is not in line with God's plan. So these would have been the angels that were not in God's presence because they were coming down to earth, lusting after these women and taking wives for themselves. And that was, and if you were an angel in heaven that was following God's plan, you would know that that is not God's design for your life. So these would have been the angels that were sinning by coming to earth and lusting after women. And I think that there's one other portion of scripture that talks about angels. And that is Matthew chapter 22, verse 30. So let's go ahead and jump there. And it's actually kind of funny because this portion of scripture is actually used to debate that the sons of God in Genesis chapter 6 are not angels because of what Jesus says here in Matthew 22, verse 30. So let's go ahead and read that real quick. It says, Jesus is saying, For in the resurrection neither do men marry nor are women given in marriage, but they are like the angels in heaven who do not marry nor produce children. And people use that verse to argue that angels don't get married. But I find it funny. I'm using it to argue my point that these are indeed angels because Jesus specifically says here, the angels in heaven don't get married. Why would he put in heaven? You know, I, I find that really interesting. It says, but they're like the angels in heaven who do not marry nor produce children. Jesus is not saying the fallen angels don't get married. He's specifically saying the angels that are in line with God's plan are the ones who do not get married. And so that is why I personally believe that the sons of God mentioned here in Genesis chapter 6 are indeed fallen angels. And let's go ahead and talk about this a little bit more. It says in verse 3 that right after these fallen angels are taking wives for themselves, the Lord says right after this, my spirit shall not strive and remain with man forever because he is indeed flesh. He is sinful, corrupt, given over to sensual appetites. Nevertheless, his days shall yet be 120 years. And I think what what God is saying in this verse, in this portion of scripture, is that, you know, people at this point in time were living a really long time, like uh, 900 years. And we had talked about that in uh, my previous um, podcast episode. And I think God is saying here, these people are, you know, corrupting themselves by not uh, marrying other men, but instead marrying these spirits. And then in verse 4, it talks about the Nephilim. And these Nephilim were men of stature and notorious men. And it also says they had great reputation and fame. And in Hebrew, Nephilim actually means the fallen ones. What does that tell you? And then in Greek, Nephilim means giant. So these Nephilim were giants. They were men of stature and notorious men. 
And it says specifically in verse 4, There were Nephilim on the earth in those days and also afterward when the sons of God lived with the daughters of men and they gave birth to their children. So when these women are giving birth to children of these spirits, these children are notorious. They have great reputation. They have great fame. They are giants. And it's kind of interesting because it says here at the very end they had they had reputation and fame. So it's very possible that these women knew what they were getting into and wanted to have these children for themselves because it would be really apparently cool to have a child who is a giant because these children were had were famous and had a great reputation. So I personally believe that these women knew what they were getting into and wanted these children for themselves to gain that kind of reputation and fame for their children and even for themselves. And then in verse 5, it says that the Lord saw that the wickedness and depravity of man was great on the earth and that every imagination and intent of the thoughts of his heart were only evil continually. So this is saying here that people are constantly evil. There is no stopping them from being evil, even in their thoughts and their intentions, just constantly evil. And the Lord regretted that he had made mankind on the earth. And it says that he was deeply grieved in his heart. So he was really, really sad that he saw this corruption happening, that these women were sleeping with these evil spirits. And the Lord says, I will destroy and annihilate mankind whom I have created from the surface of the earth, not only man, but the animals and the crawling things and the birds of the air, because it deeply grieves me to see mankind sin, and I regret that I have made them. So now, since we know that God is just, and this was actually one of the one of the questions I had about this portion of scripture, was why did God destroy the animals? Well, we don't know the amount of depravity that was happening on the earth at this time. It's very possible that these evil spirits were coming and doing acts of bestiality with these animals and producing who knows what. And I'm, I'm not saying that's the truth, but... But that is my opinion on the matter. We don't know the level of depravity that was happening here. But it says that there was so much wickedness and so much depravity that even the animals were corrupted. And the Lord regretted that he had made it. And since we know that God does everything justly, we know that that the animals somehow were corrupted because God does not uh, unjustly destroy something without a reason. It says in verse 8, the only person on the earth at this point to find favor and grace in the eyes of the Lord was Noah. And let's think about Noah's bloodline here. So we had talked about the two bloodlines before, Seth and Cain. Cain being the evil bloodline and Seth being the pure bloodline. And Noah was of Seth's bloodline. So he was a human. He was fully human. He was not one of these Nephilim. He was a human being of the pure bloodline of Seth. There was no Nephilim in his bloodline whatsoever. And it's interesting because Noah was the one to repopulate the earth after the flood. And his bloodline produced Jesus Christ. Which means that Jesus Christ was of a pure bloodline from the very beginning 
There was none of the, this, these spirits or anything like that in Jesus' bloodline. It was pure all the way from the time of Seth. And I think that's why the Bible talks about those bloodlines. And it's all to point us to Jesus Christ. So I know that my opinions on this are a little bit out there and probably kind of weird, especially if you are a newer um, believer or uh, just dipping your toes into the Bible. But I want you to research this portion of scripture for yourself and let me know what you think this um, this means in Genesis 6 verse 1 through 8. So I want everybody to go to my blog tomorrow morning, wwwp 40 minutes ministries.com because every Saturday now updates a blog post on my website and tomorrow I will have um, my testimony up which I had shared at my church on Sunday morning so let me know what you think of that and make sure to go to my website tomorrow to read that and um, until then as usual happy listening and God bless everybody bye Thank mm-hmm. you.